All right, guys, welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. We're here with another special guest, Drew Wired. That's like uh, weird with Wired. Oh, no, he always wizard says wizard without the Z. Without the Z. Yeah, Come on, you messed you up the yeah, intro. No, it's either Wired or it's Wizard or Willard or Ward. I, anything but the right one, but that's yep. right. I'll, yeah. I'll try and do this intro, and then you can correct me when I'm wrong on stuff. So okay. I'll, try, I'll, do, I'll do my best. Yeah, sounds uh, good. This is Drew C. Wired. Uh, he's 40 years old. He's married. He's got some kids. Uh, he's a licensed realtor with Century 21 Bradley. He mostly just hangs his license. And uh, are you still on MBN's? Uh, team. On their team? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, you also did some private money lending for them, which I learned about later. Yeah, that was like right. my first foray. Like back in the day, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we might talk about that a little bit. He's a full-time pharmacy manager for Lutheran Hospital, and then also you got like promoted just recently, so you kind of bounced between a couple? So, well, I'm director level now, just different responsibilities. They give you, uh, you know, a big name without a raise and more responsibility, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Good deal. He started his own uh, real estate investors association here in Fort Wayne um, after uh, deciding that he wasn't the the biggest fan of the previous one. He wanted to kind of do his own thing and make it unique and different. We're super appreciative for that. It's also an awesome community resource if you go look on the group. Um, you can basically look at any thread or anything that anyone said for the last four years, good or bad. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, Drew also has rental properties here. Um, from what I could find in Allen County, it looks like 30s. And then uh, he also um, has a wholesaling company um, and a, uh, a couple commercial projects. He's got one. Uh, syndication deal in Elkhart and then does some other stuff with syndications, some other big, big stuff going on that we don't necessarily know about. Yeah. Uh, in his spare time, he is the flying investor. Um, he likes to fly butt fans. Yeah. Yeah. Paramotors to be more specific. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah me, me and Betty the butt fan are always uh, ready to send it whenever. So Drew Wired. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I uh, I've been excited to come hang out with you. I keep seeing all the other rock stores that jump on, and uh, starting to make me envious. So yeah. yeah, it should be fun. I'm excited. I was I've been excited to have you on for a while now. So yeah, is yeah. this going to be the hot seat? Like, uh, am I going to get? Am I going to get? Dude, everybody's in the hot seat. Dakota mentioned that a little bit. He's like, we got to hit him with something. You I know. know. Like, <laughs> true. Like, I already know what it's going to be. He's like, I already know what it is. No, I, you know, it's it's funny because, um, you know, you, you set up the RIA and, you know, I'm just like you guys, right? I didn't know anything from anything when I started. I just wanted to hang out and talk to people and, and learn with my buddies. And, um, and it, it kind of blew up and it's grown into this thing. And it's funny because now you meet someone new and they like give you all this respect, like you're, you know, someone important. And um, they just sometimes they treat you different and all yeah. that. And you know, you, you try to keep your ego in check and right. just, I'm still just a guy trying to figure it out. I've just, I've done a lot more than most, yeah, but right. I'm further down the road than everyone, you know, not everyone than a lot of people. Right. I was saying not just that, but then also like, uh, I think you definitely impacted a lot of people's lives too, you know? So like sometimes it's not about what you've done or anything like that. It's about what you have created in them. So a lot of times it's like, you know, they give you a lot of respect because it's like, dude, this guy like helped me actually get started doing everything that I've done. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, like you, when you change lives like that, like that's huge. So, yeah, yeah. well, and it, you know, it's funny. I'll listen to the podcast and, um, it's good podcast to begin with, but of course, selfishly, like I'm listening to hear the Fort Wayne Rhea come up 
uh, and it, you know, you try to not let it stroke your ego at all, but it, it's not so much a stroke to the ego as much as it's just a fun reminder to say, yeah, that's right. Jordan Wildman was working at Costco and he showed up and yep. now look at him good. And, and same with you guys, you know, you and I used to work at the hospital together, mm. you know, and, um, it's just cool to see people who have been coming for a while. Uh, you know, that tool has just made such an impact. On yeah. Them, and that's, that's fun. That's yeah, that's huge. But, uh, I wanted to ask you something. I kind of added this last minute. Actually, I got some questions down here, but um, you're 40. When you were 18, you didn't go straight into college, right? Uh, well, I, I did. Um, I was homeschooled. Um, mm -hmm. And so I actually went to college real early. I, I graduated early and went straight in, um, you know, kind of half day at college when I was about 15. So by the time by the time I was about 18, when normal people would go, I had a year and a half or so under my belt. Mm -hmm. So. And then what what happened as far as uh, your transition into getting into pharmacy? Because I remember Dakota and I were talking to you at Buffalo Wild Wings, and we were kind of talking about uh, just being broke. Like, you know, when you first got a wife, and then you have kids, yeah. and then you're like, hey, I'm broke. So I want to talk about you being broke first. Sure. And then kind of build the story into, like, where you're at now, being a little bit more comfortable than you were when you were broke. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um the, the long story short is um, I graduated really early, got into college soon, um, started dating who Amber, who's now my wife, um, and we wound up uh, getting pregnant really, really early and really young. Um, you know, it's worked out. We're still together, and now we've got a whole family and all that, um, and I'm really fortunate and blessed that my story looks like that because for a lot of people, it's not, you know, so you don't take that for granted. But um, she was 17. I was 18. Um, and I had just gotten accepted into my doctorate program at Purdue. So Bailey was born in January. We got married in July. We moved to Purdue uh, in August. And um, so whirlwind of change, you know, for, for kids. I mean, we were kids with kids, you know, um, but we didn't have anything. You know, I was taking student loans just to cover, you know, the lodging and all of that. And then she would go to work by day um, while I went to school. And then I would go work at CVS as a pharmacy technician well, then she'd be home with Bailey or, you know, doing whatever else needed to, to get done. But it was, uh, it was thin for, wow. for a while. So you're living, basically living off student loans then? Student loans. And, you know, we were, we were poor enough that, uh, you get, oh, what is it like WIC women and infants yeah. and children and things like, so, you know, we were on food stamps and stuff for a while, um, which it, for a moment, you know, it's kind of a crushing blow to your pride. Right. Um, but I had to come to grips with, like, we were the kind of people that those programs are for, the mm -hmm. kind who are trying to better themselves and grow and eventually pay so much more into it than you ever took In taxes. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I, I don't like to pay taxes. No one likes to pay taxes. But there are some things, not many. I'm not a big government fan. I don't <laughs> like taxes, all that kind of stuff. But uh, it was there for me when I needed it. And, you know, I know it's doing some good things for other people sometimes, too. So. Yeah, I remember uh, I just saw a quote. I don't know if it's Elon Musk. Everybody attributes everything to Elon Musk. Just because, <laughs> yeah. Just because on then, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, then it just yeah. gets like uh, more, uh, you know, going Shares. out there. But um, it was interesting. It was just like, uh, why is everybody so concerned about like how much people are paying in taxes as opposed to what are we doing with the taxes? Like that should be the real right. question that people are asking. But right. everybody's like, ah, just keep taxing them. Who cares what the government does with it? Right. I'm like, man, that's crazy. Yeah. 
I have strong opinions, but this isn't a political podcast. <laughs> You're like, so. let's not talk about taxes. Oh, now we're going to rant. It could get real fiery after a while. So being such a young parent, um, what were some of the advantages, disadvantages of that? And then what would you have changed? Like, what would you have done differently? Because I feel like being a kid, like you were saying, being a kid, raising a kid, does it look a lot different now? Because you have three? Four. Four. Yep. So with the fourth one, are you like, oh, we did this so much better because of this, yeah. but my fourth child missed out on like high energy me. I don't know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, something like that. No, you know, since we had the first one so early, mm-hmm. we decided to kind of knock the others out pretty quick. So mm-hmm. we had Bailey and then four years later after I graduated, then it was Max and Delaney and Lily. And we, we wanted to be done by the time we were 30 because we started when we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been super young parents um, and, you know, that's been amazing. You know, I can get out and, work out with my kids. I can go run and bike and play and, and do pretty much whatever I want. Um, now, we we haven't had uh, the means to take lavish vacations. You know, my kids, like, haven't – they're not well-cultured and traveled the world and, and those sort of things. But um, your kids just want you around, you know. Mm-hmm. And we were young and engaged. And, you know, even as they've come up to be teenagers and stuff, like, we know what's going on. We kind of understand the culture. We listen to a lot of the same music, mm-hmm. like – it's not that we're just friends with our kids because there's a lot of accountability that goes there. But um, I don't know. Being a young parent, I think, has been a really good outcome for us. Um, As far as how your parenting styles change over time, honestly, I think the first couple of kids, like, I was very strict, like very strict. Um, And you know, you have the first baby and the pacifier falls in the dirt and well, you take it home and you boil it and all that kind of stuff <laughs> to make sure it's perfect, right? By the time the fourth kid comes around, it drops in the mud, you just put it right back <laughs> in. Like, yeah. You realize that they're far more resilient. So if anything, I kind of worry that we've gotten lax um, as the kids have gotten older. But um, I don't know. I Not too many regrets on the parenting side. You know, there are moments where, you know, maybe you need to be more present or maybe I was a little too harsh here. But um other than just kind of getting complacent the wrong word, but we're just a little more chill than we were on the front end. What about what about your parents then? Like, what were they like? Were they older, younger? And then, like, yeah. were they, like, wealthy, middle class? And, like, how do, how were they? Yep, yep, really good question. So uh, my parents were about 22 when they had me, so pretty young. Not as young as I was, but pretty young. Um, and I was the firstborn in my family. And so... Um, we didn't have much. I mean, they were hardworking people. I was born down in Lafayette while they went to Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, as I understand it, they took me home and they had a trailer at the beginning. So we started there. And then just, you know, we we always had food and enough to get by. You know, we always had a couple of Christmas presents and things, but it was never big. It was never lavish. Like they, when I was a teenager, they didn't buy me a car. They didn't, you know, do, do those sort of things. Um, but they were both around. They were very engaged. Um, they were big on education and really big on hard work. Um, you know, do the things you say you're going to do and, and um, kind of that blue collar mentality. Now, as soon as I moved out, you know, dad kind of climbed the corporate ladder and their income, you know, mm-hmm. went up. And so, um, you know, now they're retired and, and doing okay. So you said they valued uh, education. Is that like why you wanted to be a doctor or did you already have that desire beforehand or you think it was influenced by them? Um, Not so much. I think, you know, again, we were homeschooled. We were living down in Muncie at the time and the school corporations down there was like fourth from the bottom in the state. Like it was just abysmal. 
Um, so they, my sister and I, um, they decided to try the, the homeschooling at home just because they thought they could do better, and I, I think they probably did. Um, so education was just constant conversations and things we had. Um, you know, they, they both had gone to college, but not like advanced degrees or anything like that. Dad got his MBA later. Um, so for me, I think going into medicine was really just, I really enjoyed science, chemistry, biology, things like that. And so, you know, is it med school? Is it pharmacy school? Which one do you like? And, and pharmacy was just the best fit. Mm. Nice. So uh, what got you into real estate? So we talked about MBN just a little bit. Yeah. Then I figure out later you were getting a 50% profit split. It was a pretty good split. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good split. Um, I don't think anybody's supposed to t say that. <laughs> that. Well, hey, you know, everyone starts someplace. And, you know, I've, I've lent money and it, you just you have to start out, right? You build relationships yeah. on the front end. And if I'm going to take all the risk and they're going to be all the muscle, like what is the, the right place? Um, so <clears throat> you always negotiate these great deals and then I'm like, whoa, try to, we try <laughs> to, yeah. It, I mean, um, you know, they were, so the history is, um, I had one, we bought a house once upon a time, me and my wife lived in it, moved out. And we had this one rental for like super long time, mm -hmm. but that's all the real estate investing I did for like years and years and years. Um, but as I'm working at the pharmacy, building my career, um, I didn't have lots of extra time. So these were buddies of mine who, you know, we played praise and worship around town at, at different churches and things like that. Um, and I knew those four guys, at least two of them really, really well. And they left their jobs to start flipping and rehabbing and were looking for funds. And so I think I was their first investor. And I don't know, we probably did half a dozen deals, something wow. like that. Um, and it's funny, if you would ask me what the split was, I don't know that I even would have remembered, but I think you're probably right. I don't um, know if that was it or not. It yeah, it could be. I don't know. It, it, it could have been. Um, but eventually I said, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna try my hand at this, doing it myself. And uh, not because they were doing poor. I mean, clearly, if you guys yeah. know MBN properties and MBN homes, and the, like, they have just yeah. ascended into the stratosphere. Yeah, they've done that pretty well. Yeah, they, they're, they're doing just fine. So <laughs> It's funny because uh, I was actually just talking about this on a, another guy that we were just talking to, but people think that like 10 to 12% paying for investors is a lot. But if you told them, hey, I'm going to go partner up with somebody, they're going to pay for everything, pay for the materials, and then we're going to split it 50-50. They're like, oh, that sounds fair. You know, sure. this person's doing all the work. This person's doing all the money. That 50 50 split, that sounds fair. But that 50 50 is so much more than if you just paid it's a like private really money aggressive. lender. Yeah, but <laughs> nobody is. like realizes they're like, why would you ever pay anybody that much interest? That's ridiculous. But then yeah, when, when you, you say, say 12%, they're like, yeah, like, whoa. But right. then you say, oh, 50 50, because they're providing all the funds and everything. They're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's makes sense. Yeah, but, it's, it's just a matter of perspective. And, yeah. And, just how you come at it. You know, they were at a place where they wanted to get started and that was the price of getting started. No question. You and know, I mean, you've paid big money. I yep. paid big money to, and, to do some of our stuff. And it so. was more than worth it. I mean, like, look Absolutely. at where they're at now right. um, compared to where they would have been if they never even did that or didn't right. find a way to do it. So uh, same thing with, there's, there's these guys out in Vegas, actually. Um, they're uh, cousins, but... Um, they like do massive, massive deals. They do luxury in Vegas. And they're doing oh, like, wow. you know, okay. like, I think, I don't even know how much debt they have right now. But anyway, they're doing like multi-million dollar flips and they're doing like 10 or 20 at a time. And they're like, there's like 2 million a property and stuff. So they got like 40 million in debt. They're doing like another 10 million in rehab. Their dad fronts all the money mm -hmm. and then they split the profit 50-50. And I'm like, man, like, 
you plus can make, interest, I think. Yeah, I plus think he interest. gets a bigger percentage Yeah, they get them. interest too. But then I'm like, man, why would you do that? But like, then I stress out because we got to find freaking a million dollars in 30 days. I'm like, oh, man. Right. I'm like freaking out. I can't sleep at night. But if like, yep. you know, if I just have another way to make unlimited money, basically, or have unlimited money, like what is that value and how much more could you make? Even giving up 50% of it is really what I ask. I'm like, dude, I could probably make more if I didn't stress out so much. I'm just like putting stuff under contract because if you need to come up with a lot of money, then now I might not be as apt to close the next deal because I'm like, I don't even know how we're going to pay for these other ones. Right. So how am I going to convince this person to say yes now? But if you have somebody backing you that like, you know, you know, they have unlimited money, then yeah, I think that it's a no brainer for people. But yeah, I mean, people probably get stuck on the numbers, but the reality is, is as long as everyone feels good about the transaction, you're getting what you want out of it, then, yep. then yeah, you're in a good spot. No question. But, so, uh, when we talked to our one of our mentors, Jay Redding, uh, Jay built his entire uh, portfolio um, while his kids were going to college and that sort of thing. So he kind of had to make sure that he didn't lose money. In the same way, uh, Dakota and I, well, uh, contradict or uh, compare that to Dakota and I who are okay with like losing money on one or two. Like that was never the goal. Sure. But like that's okay to us. Uh, we tend to like go out, look at a property and put it under contract the same day if we're going to go look at it yep. Um, yep. and try to like s like steamroll deals and get through them and like work at a rapid pace. Yeah. You seem to be a little bit more calculated, kind of like Jay was, and you have sure. a family. Sure. Um, how do you think that has shaped the way that you look at deals? Because you still have the W-2 and I know I've heard you say before, like, man, I wonder what it would have been like if I would have just went full-time into this. Like, sure. you probably could have made more money. I mean, you probably still could now, but it's still, like, it's still, you still have health insurance, you still have yeah. stability, you still, yeah. you're still bankable. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of advantages yeah. to doing, the, doing it the way that you're doing it. Sure. So maybe talk about uh, how you're calculated and your thought processes when you're looking at deals and then uh, how your family shaped that. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So to kind of your point, you know, you, you say that you're, you guys are willing to lose money on occasion if, if you have to. And it's, you know, another way to reframe that is, you know, you don't want to lose money. I don't, none of us want to do that. What you're, what you're, what I hear you really saying is you're willing to accept a higher level of risk because the payoff is there at nine times out of 10, Right. It's going to be there. That's a risk Jay's not going to take. Right. You know what I mean? And that doesn't make it wrong. I think one of the things that as a, a, a beginner investor, a lot of people struggle with is we think that there's this right way to do it, or you analyze it this way, or you make this kind of offer. And the reality is, is there's this whole spectrum of uh, very risky versus conservative. Yep. Usually make more money out here, but you might lose it all as well. Right. You know, Jay operates a little bit more down here and, you know, you know, I'm probably kind of somewhere in the middle and you guys might be a little bit further out here, but some of your margins on your deals are just, Jay's never made those margins, but it's just, it's just a different strategy. So, um, so again, I've been very blessed to have the W2 income. Um, you know, I'm the sole breadwinner at home. And so I do have to be somewhat conservative because if I'm going to take a risk, it's going to impact more than just me or mm -hmm. me and a partner. Um, you know, how do I, how do I analyze deals and such? I mean, it, I have chosen to stay the W2 path. Um, 
there's always, you know, limiting beliefs about if I leave, can I actually make it work? Um, but, you know, we had like the, the downturn in 08, mm-hmm. right? I watched people struggle and all of that. But at the hospital, like I was, I was just fine. Like right. I felt none of that, you know? And so that kind of um, just stays in my mind as well. You know, we're overdue for a downturn or an adjustment, right? And um, so part of it's security blanket, and, and I've been kind of coming to terms with, with that. Um, but it is good to have nice benefits because we work at the hospital. You know, my kids, we play hard. You know, we're not sick, but like I think in 2019, we had five or six ortho surgeries. And oh, like, snap. Yeah, and we just, like, we keep breaking our bones and doing stuff, but we play <laughs> hard, you know? Um, you know, so it's it's tough to get to a place where you're comfortable letting go of that. But keeping the W-2 helps you to be very bankable, um, keeps your credit score up if you just pay your bills. Um, are you supposed to pay your bills? You're supposed to pay those <laughs> I bills. I didn't know yeah. you're supposed to yeah, pay not those. Just, not just the minimums either. <laughs> um, it, it has been kind of the rocket fuel at the beginning of my investment career. And I think for some people, it's good to keep that W-2 and you just fuel your, your investment business with it. For some people, there may come a time where they need or want to transition because you're losing money by going to work. But you, you never know when that is. I think you know. Do you think you're losing money? I think I'm probably to that point. I think you're too. Yeah, you I, would make more money if you. It's left. tough to know, right? Because it's an opportunity cost. You would, thing, right? Like I'll just I'll just throw <laughs> random numbers out there. This is not actually what they are, but let's say that I make a hundred thousand dollars going to work. Could I replicate that or duplicate that mm-hmm. doing my own thing? Or probably. Triple it. You could triple it. Yeah, probably triple it. You know, um, but if I'm wrong. Family doesn't eat. Yeah, your family doesn't eat, or you got to go to Wick. I mean, come on. There's always a, there's always a <laughs> yeah. different way, man. You're talking about different opportunities here. I fade a lot into Wick. Yeah, like, what are we talking about here? Your family's not gonna not eat. You know that, so we yeah. can't even throw that out there. Yeah, like right. you know, you know that you're gonna be able to handle like you'll figure it out. And that's, that's basically, yeah, that's where I was. And I know the kind of person you are like, you will figure it out. And that's basically what I had to conceptualize is like, dude, I'm good with moving numbers around. Oh yeah. It was a lot harder for Dakota to leave his job than it was for me. Cause I wasn't making any money. So it was just like, Dakota yeah. was like, yeah. Hey, go do this instead of making the same amount doing something you don't want to do. Right. Yeah. But right. for me, it was uh, more about, dude, I can survive for quite a long time without making any money actually, because I'm really good at moving money around and like what we built up now, I can just continue to move it. You could do the same thing. You could survive for, I mean, probably five years just by moving money in different ways with no income. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, the last um, six months to year, you know, you, I was listening to uh, uh, Jordan's podcast with you guys, and you talked a lot about self-development, and we had talked about it at the last RIA meeting as well. Yep. And um, a lot of the coaching and mindset stuff that I've been working around is helping me understand that theoretically I can sit here and agree with you, but I hadn't modeled it out to say, yeah, that's absolutely true. Like, that could mm-hmm. be a real thing. And so, you know, now the, the exercises are, okay, if the job went away today, what's my runway? You know, is it three months? Is it six months? Is it six years? Um, and those are important exercises to go through because it takes the emotion out of it and puts numbers to a reality and says, this is the truth. Yep. Like, this is what it is and what it could be. And so 
um, to your point, you're, you're absolutely right. It'll, it'll change and shift the way that you look at opportunity. Yeah. And, and not just that, but then like, also, I feel like, you know, you created all those stories in your head just right there. Oh, my family's not going to eat. You're just creating all this stuff. And then once yep. you're actually going through it, you don't even think about that. You're not thinking about, oh, my family's <laughs> not going to eat. You're thinking, what do I got to do right now to go and make money? You're not thinking about all that stuff. But whenever you're not in the opportunity, you, like whenever you're in that indecision stage, that's in my opinion, the worst stage to be in. And I was I mean, I was there for like a year. I knew I was going to quit my job, but just like you, I validated it. I found reasons of why I thought it was good. I'm like, you know, I'm making money. I've got insurance. Um, I'm getting loans. I'm doing this. Like I get, I gave all the reasons of why I should. And uh, even though, you know, deep down that it's not, you know, where you should be or where you want to be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, and you know, let's not get it too twisted. I'm, I'm really grateful for the job that I have. They're really good people. No Um, question. You know, if you have to have a job, I've got a great one. And I, yep. I do really enjoy the people that I work with. Um, but like we had mentioned before, like at some point you outgrow it mm-hmm. and you're limiting your potential, right? So mm-hmm. if our goal is to live at our max potential, whether it's fitness or relationships or income or things like that, I'm, I'm hitting that ceiling. And so, you know, the question is when, and it, you know, we'll, I'm going through that exercise to see when it is, but I'm very fortunate because while I don't always have a great day at work, especially with COVID and all the stuff at the hospital, last yeah. two years has been exhausting and, and still is to this day. Um, I'm fortunate I have good peers and it's, if you have to have a job, it's a good job. So. No question. That, that, that was another thing that I forgot to mention is like, you know, I loved my job, honestly. Like I, I love sales. Yeah, and I loved it. Like, dude, and for me, like I actually got more, I don't have more, it's kind of hard to say. I had a lot of fulfillment from that job because I got a trophy and I got to, you know, I got to beat people and I got to win. Yeah, yeah, recognition. Like I'm very competitive. I like to win and I got a, like a award and then, you know, a lot of clout from it and just like everything yep. that I wanted. So I got a lot of that. And so I lost a lot of that. So I loved working with people. I was making a lot of money. Like everything was there and that's what makes freedom. it. Yeah, I had some freedom. I could do whatever I wanted. And it was just really cool. So like, uh, yeah, it's not always like it's bad ever. You know what I mean? Like what you have sounds pretty dang good. You got really good health insurance. You work at a place that like you're basically the boss. Like they don't really mess with you because you have a lot of, you know, you've been around a while. You get your job done. Sure. So like that's when it's the hardest because it, what you have is like, dang, this is it's really good. <laughs> it's comfortable. It's a dangerous yeah. comfort. It's, it's really good. It like that's what most people strive for in their life is exactly what you have. Right. Right. And so, you know, my, my wife and my family are all very, very supportive, especially now that I'm five, six years to investing mm-hmm. at the beginning. They're like, Hey, we love you and we trust you, but be careful because you're crazy. Yep. <laughs> well, talk, you know? talk about some of those deals when you first got started. Yeah. So, um, you know, we had the one rental property forever. Um, and then I said, okay, well, they're flipping houses on TV. It can't be that hard. I'll just flip a house, right? It was a lot harder than, than I thought it was. <laughs> you know, and I was pulling family members in. I was doing it myself, and, you know, that was miserable. But made a little money on that one. And so, you know, it worked. Um, but, man, it was a lot of work. Where was that one at? This was on Barnhart Avenue, right off of, like, Hobson okay. and State. Oh, five. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And before the 05 was cool. Oh, okay. You know, like now that how ha- like I think I sold it for like 76 or something. Wow. And it just sold for like 124 or something. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's four bedroom. Like I'd kill to have that house. Again. It was a four bedroom? Yeah, a little Cape Cod, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean it looked tiny, but it was just tons of space. Wow. So um so I did a flip. I didn't mind it, but 
I just, I had this deep longing for passive income. Like that's what I want in case it was really like for retirement. Like I, w- I want to retire comfortable and I want it to be a safety net, right? So passive income is what I want. And so that was the focus for a long time. Now, as I've gone along, I've done lots of other flips. If it's not a property I want to keep, or it's just like, you know, paint and carpet and it's out the door, then, then sometimes I've done that. But, um, I really like trying different types of transactions. So I have acquired a lot through seller financing and other creative models. I've sold a lot on land contract. Um, we've done lease options. I've never done a subject to, and that's kind of by choice, but, um, I mean, we just, we've, we've done a lot, so I don't know. We can go down the list and if you want, or, you know, you, you tell me where you want to, there's just a lot at this point. I mean, I've done five or six years and there's probably been 200 transactions or something. So yeah, I was thinking mainly about, you know, people who are watching this podcast who there's, there are, you know, probably more folks out there who haven't gotten started that are like, well, what were like some of your anxieties? Like you kind of talked a little bit, like I pulled my whole family in. I didn't know how difficult it was going to be to flip a house, like stuff like that, where you're like, well, this is how like the first five deals went. And even then I still made like these mistakes. Those were kind of the, the stories that I was thinking of, you know, when yeah. you, when you first got started, what your struggles were. And then there was a period too, where you kind of hit a number. Like I, I think when you first started the RIA, you had like a certain number of houses and then it kind of grew because of your network. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, are yeah. there, are there more where you were just like, man, I'm not sure. Like, when did you actually get it to where you're like, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've always been pretty confident. So when I get the idea to do it, like I know it's going to come together because if nothing else, like I'm not smarter than anyone. I just, I work harder than most. And the one attribute that I probably have that some people either don't identify in themselves or, or maybe people don't have is just being resourceful. Right. And maybe that's finding someone to help me. Maybe that's finding money. Maybe that's, you know, whatever it is when I hit the wall, find the resource to get beyond it. Um, Early on, I think, like, I was deeply involved with every project, whether it was a flip or it was going to be a rental, and I'm over there sweeping floors. And, Mm -hmm. like, like I was – I should not be swinging hammers. Like, I can if I have to, but someone's probably going to get hurt. Um, But that's just what we did when I grew up, like, blue-collar, you know, farm boys and stuff like that. Like, we were just – you don't pay people to do work. Right. You know, so that is one thing kind of from my upbringing, which – um, it, there's nothing wrong with, but that's not how you run a business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so for a long time, one of my failures was spending a lot of time getting these properties up and running when I had little kids at home that, that mm-hmm. needed me to be around. Um, and they were young enough that sometimes they didn't notice that you're not there, but eventually they get old enough where, where they know. And mom always knows. <laughs> yeah. <You> know? <laughs> um, so that was probably my biggest flaw early on is not leveraging the talents and gifts of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I didn't have the money to do it, but it's cheaper than you think. Right. Um, I mean, labor's expensive, especially now. Like it gets it's right. getting worse and worse and worse. But everything's going up, including your profits. Right. You know. Um, so use other people. That early on, that's kind of what I needed to know. Um, but yeah, once I started like racking up a couple of rentals, I, I went from one rental to two to seven. Because wow. I bought a package of five, and they're not glamorous houses. They were rough areas, but I still own them today, and on a percentage basis, they're just, they just kill it. And that's when the light bulb went off that said, like, if I had one or two houses and they one or two went vacant, I had an emergency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, 
a, a problem. big deal. It's a big problem. Um, and vacancy is always a problem. you got to fix it. But when I went to seven, oh, I, now I can have two or three vacancies and still make all my payments. Right. Like that's when it occurred to me, like everyone says, you're buying another house. That's so risky. I can't believe you're going up to 40 doors or 50 doors. It Doesn't it just get riskier and riskier? If anything, it mitigates your risk. Right. It spreads it out across all these different assets where now across my approximately 50 doors, like if 15 of them went empty, it hurt real bad. Yeah, it would suck. But we're not going under. Right. You know? Yep. So now I'm kind of to the point where it's not that I want a ton more doors, but if I find a really good rental, I'm just going to throw it in the mix because it mitigates the risk of other things happening. Yep. So I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but that was kind of the... Uh, Oh, okay. This works, and I'm going to be okay. So I'm going to lean into this. You, you, it was funny too. You said that you just had like this, always had this confidence about you. And we actually had a, a podcast on earlier uh, through Zoom uh, with a guy who's in Texas, okay. and he basically said the exact same thing. He's just like, I just had the confidence, and that was kind of Dakota's answer too, where like I was always. Uh, still not certain for like the first year and a half to two years that it was going to work out or that like this was the right thing for me to be a part of and that sort of thing. But I think it's funny that you had a similar answer to the guy that we interviewed. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it goes back to mindset, right? And not that I was smart enough to know that it was mindset, right? But like you said, you got confidence, right? Whatever it is that you're going to undertake, you're going to find a way. Right. So I think most people, most everyone, especially new investors, they, they obsess and get stuck on strategy. Right. And before you figure out whether you've got the right strategy, wrong strategy, whatever it is, you've got to get your head right. Yep. You've got to come at it with the right mindset. And that's not to say I've always had the right mindset because like even when we were talking about jobs and, you know, leaving, staying, like all that kind of stuff, right? Like it's, that's what I'm, right. you know, working That's what you're struggling with right. now. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, it's just a growth opportunity. Yep. And my mindset isn't as developed on that front. Right. But when it comes to, it wasn't, I, I wasn't confident that I was going to make money in real estate. Right. I was confident that if I undertake this job, this house, this rental, whatever it is, I'm going to see it through to the finish line and it might be ugly and I might get bloody on the way, Yep. but we're going to figure it out and that's okay. Yep. So... That's yeah, that's exactly what I mean when I was telling you like, dude, you'll figure it out. Like it's not like you're gonna not have any issues or anything. It's but your family will definitely eat yeah. and uh you'll figure it out. But uh yeah, that's something actually so in our course we're like, man, like it's one thing to teach everybody exactly how to do this, but like they don't realize that like that's not the only thing that they need. You can go and watch YouTube, you can read books, you can figure out exactly how to do this, but what we actually have a, a spot in there to like try to help them to create the mindset. Cause I'm like, man, like if, if we sell a bunch of courses and nobody does anything with it, then like, what was the point? Right. You know what I mean? Like we got to get them in the, help them to develop that mindset. So what would you say? Like, how have you helped to develop the mindset that you're in now? And like, you know, obviously like we just talked about, like it's still like developing. So what are some things that you're doing to help develop it? Yeah. You know, on, on the front end, you know, years ago, like it was just a lot of reading you know, just seeing what other people had done and, and just their approach to it. Now that was very strategy specific, but I was at least being moldable and open to learn and grow. Um, you know, I didn't really start focusing too much on mindset. We're always focusing on mindset, whether we realize it or not, whether we're talking about abundance or scarcity or fear or our past or things like that. But I wasn't really mindful about it until probably the last year or two when I 
know, the last year or two for me has been, what do you want? Like, what do you really want? Like, you you have enough rentals that your retirement's going to be comfortable. Right. If you get hit by a truck again and you're out for a while, again. It's, 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 yeah, there's a whole story there. Um, it, it'll pay your bills for a while. Like, you're, you're going to be okay. So right. what do you really want? Like, do you want to double your income? Do you want to quadruple your income? Do you want to build your net worth? Do you just want or, to not or work under, at all. Yeah, even underlying that, do you want recognition? Do you want freedom? Do you want, yeah. you know, like, what are you really looking for? Even in that money, because even saying, you know, I want all this money, it isn't really answering any questions. Well, and for me, like what has teased out of that is freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think a lot of people look at landlords, especially ones who have started to find some success, and they think that you just sit back and you count your dollars at home. And for me, like, I just want, I want freedom. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, you know, I mean, I'd like to have a healthy income, but I don't need a million dollars a year right. to find my freedom. Like, I just don't. Now, I, I mean, I'm on a trajectory that'll lead me there, and it's the same for you guys and a lot of other people in the RIA and most of the people we associate with now are on that path, and they'll live very comfortably. Um, but for me, like, I just, I want, I want to do what I want with who I want to do it with whenever I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it, you know, and sometimes that'll be, church stuff and volunteering and hanging out with my kids and, you know, hanging out with, with Amber and flying every chance that I get. And so that's, you know, that's what I'm after. I think, uh, I've watching you from a distance, uh, I, not a hundred percent of my attention is on what you're doing, but sometimes (laughs) I've, I've seen like, it seems like the Rhea helped you scale. Oh, so, so like initially there was Drew and then there was Drew with 15 houses, and then there was Drew with 30 houses, yeah. and then you got into uh, creating cash flow, which is Ryan Dossie's mastermind, yeah. and you started marketing. How did that change your business, and was it another turning point? Like, what did it look like for you to find that mastermind and then to join it, and then how did it help you grow? Sure. So um, let's talk about masterminds. Let's talk about Rhea first. So mm-hmm. bring me back to masterminds if I mm-hmm. navigate away. Um, The RIA was put together because um, I didn't like the option we had in town, even though I was volunteering and kind of hosting. It just kind of gave me the heat. Fall enslaving. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, exactly. Uh, It just, it wasn't a good fit for me, for me personally. I thought we could do some things differently. and, And I don't think you should have to pay to hang out with your friends to learn. Now, we'll talk here in a minute about the value of paying to really get some specialized knowledge, but just to hang out with people in the local market. I just, I didn't think you needed to do that. And so we started the RIA, um, you know, it was a lot of energy. It still can be a lot of energy to put in. Um, but it has absolutely helped me scale up. You know, my goal wasn't necessarily scaling, but if I'm going to do these rentals, like I want to do it well. And I need people like Jay, like, you know, these veterans and even new guys who come in, like, show me what you're learning. And, and, and that's really what the RIA was. And so it has helped me grow. Um, but I just kept stacking houses, right? In Fort Wayne, single family houses and little duplexes and things work incredibly well, almost too well to where it doesn't motivate you to go to bigger assets Mm -hmm. and to, to really scale. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when it comes, okay, so eventually, you know, if you're, if you're the smartest guy in the room, then you need to find a different room, right? And again, so I, that's. I'm not the smartest guy. Oh, well, you're in the one room. of the top five. Well, yeah, and again, yeah, that sounds that sounds so egotistical, right? But I did get to a point with the Rio where about two or three years in, 
I was really fatigued because it was give. It was all give. I you mean, didn't, that's cre- not you didn't create didn't. a course. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I didn't have the time, you know, but... I, but Neither um, do we. Yeah. <laughs> it was supposed to be done two months ago. <laughs> yeah, there's just... It'll be better when, it's, when it gets there. Take your time with it. Um, but what I needed was the next level of education. I needed to be in a bigger room where I was just a small fish, mm-hmm. right? Or a big pond, you know, small fish. So, yep. um, so that's why I started seeking some of those things out and... I had done some direct mail, um, and it, every time I did it, it worked, but I wasn't systematized at all. My biggest hang-up is when I'm at the hospital, I'm taking care of patients. Like, I'm not real estating, right? So I can send the mail out, but I don't have anyone to answer phones. I don't really know a lot about marketing. Um, I, I tend to relate to people relatively well, but I don't know how to market to them. And, you know, as far as all the algorithms and and facebook pixels and like just retargeting and like all these new um online ways to to market and retain people and so that's kind of what ccf was for me or with with ryan dossie was to be able to jump into that and say okay i need a system Uh, he has call porter right which is one of his several companies where they just answer the phone for you and i pay through the teeth for it (laughs) but it's it's it was the missing piece that i needed for my business um and since then um, I've stayed with it because um, I've made just incredible friendships. Like I was texting back and forth with someone all afternoon, you know, from that group and um, connect with most of them on a regular basis. Your mail pieces are on the front of uh, ballpointmarketing.com. Are they really? Yeah, yeah. I was just, I was going to show people like, hey, here's the five different mail companies that you could use. Oh, sure. Like as part of our course. Yeah. And as I was doing that, I was like, Oh, I know that guy. <laughs> like, there's Clear Sky Properties. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I'll have some. I'll have people jump out every now and then and say, "Hey, I saw that you recommended blah blah blah. Do you do you really recommend them? What do you think?" Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to do that stuff because of what that community has given back to me for mm-hmm. sure. So from that mastermind, I know there are other tools too. What right. CRM tools and systems could you not live without? Specifically for Clear Sky Properties, which is the company that we would use. I, most people set that up to wholesale. Mm-hmm. For me, I wanted, I could no longer find good rental deals, on, nothing on the MLS, like mm-hmm. I was really struggling to find. So it was really a feeder system for my rentals. Mm-hmm. And so if you follow my numbers in late 19 or 2020, just boom, like they just exploded because I, I finally had the systems to get there. But um, so now I do a little bit more wholesaling than I did before just because. My focus is elsewhere, bigger projects, rather than adding another 50 doors, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that business, we resimply is what we use for our CRM. Um, we just had somebody from there reach out to us, actually, not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, there, and they, there are pros and cons. Um, there's a lot that I, I really liked resimply 1.0. 2.0 brought a ton of features, but it also brought some complications as well. Um, so I would recommend people look at it. Um, but it's not the only one out there either. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is I'm really impressed with how often they update and kind of work out some of those bugs. Have you so, tried a lot of other ones? I haven't. Okay. I, For me, for as small as I am in my operations, it's been a perfect fit. So I haven't gone elsewhere. But I know other people who want to do different type of uh, uh, SMS type stuff or ringless voicemail mm-hmm. or like some more advanced dialers and things like that, which I'm not involved with yet. 
they've explored a little bit. I say we've we've tried like four other CRMs, and I'm very particular about CRMs just because yeah. uh, like I was in the car business, and like dude, they got some of the yeah. best CRMs ever. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and so nothing even came close. Re simply was like the closest that I could find. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did just get. Uh, to where we got sponsored kind of by them or affiliated yeah. we with them. We had an affiliate link, so we we're no, going to yes. throw it in the podcast. I was kind of setting you up for that question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you should. I mean, again, I, I would absolutely recommend that people take a look at them. It's, mm-hmm. for me and my purposes, it's really good. And we haven't talked about my commercial real estate stuff, but as I so I'm marketing to a lot of mm-hmm. commercial deals all over the country, and that's where I'm keeping those leads as well. Yep. So. Do you have yours all set up, like, for, like, when – People call the phone number. You know exactly where it came from. Well, he said he usually uses call porter to answer some but of those calls. But it still calls, right? should go in there automatically for him. Oh yeah. Yeah, on the single family side, I absolutely do. We've got thirty or forty different phone numbers, and it depends it on which depend list. on list. Wow. Yeah. Holy smokes. It, well, it just that way when my acquisition managers and my team members pull it up, you know, immediately is yep. this a probate where someone has passed away and we need to be delicate with the situation or is it something that came from the website which wow. means they went to your website and my website and like they went down the yep. list mm-hmm. and time's more of the essence mm-hmm. you know wow yeah we we go a little bit more broad we go like tv ad direct mail bandit signs because like yeah obviously you talk to them different on direct mail mm-hmm. uh you know they're usually not as motivated i would say for us right. they've got a lot of other ones like hey there's competition if they called you from a bandit sign, that's a motivated person, yeah. and you got to treat them completely different. You don't, I don't give them a number over the phone. When I'm doing, when we're doing direct mail, I'm like, I'll give them a, an area, and I'm pulling out the number out of them. When it's bandit signs, let's go look at a house. Yeah, because like yeah, that's exactly right. I think, you know, if you're if you're taking a very targeted approach, mm-hmm. you're more likely to find someone who's um, who's motivated than the shotgun approach. But if someone comes calls from the shotgun approach, that means they sought you out, right? Which mm-hmm. means it's go time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a completely different conversation for sure. So that's crazy. That's cool that you have it like that dialed in for specific markets. What about like when the list doubles up or I guess it's just based on the letter that they got at that point, but don't a lot of these overlap like, you know, maybe probate with foreclosure or something like that? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um and uh, it can get really complex. I think we will mail different letters at different times, different messaging on the different letters, depending gotcha. on, yeah, again, a probate message might be very different than pre-foreclosure, right? something like that. And so um, sometimes they do stack up where they might have multiple issues going on. Um, it's not a perfect system, but at least you know that the number that they called in was because of probate. Yep. You know, and you don't have to dig any further to see if they've got other issues involved. You know, that usually will tease out. Yep. Something that I just kind of want to know now for my personal uh, is, like, we don't track our KPI super well. Do you actually have, like, your bank account and everything plugged into where you know how much you spent and how much you're spending on each one? That way you know your cost per lead and all that stuff? I haven't set up the accounting piece in Resimply that way. I think if I were, if this were my bread and butter, like, this is what I did, then yep. I probably would. Um, and I have I have different KPIs um, but they're really more on the, not so much on the direct mail side, gotcha. more like on my rentals and things like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So do you have a general idea about what it costs you per lead or like, do you just kind of guesstimate and get I've pretty never, close? I've never, see, here's, here's my greatest weakness with my direct mail business, if we want to call it that, is when I mail and I market, it works. It does a yep. really good job. Um, but I get really busy. 
like we talked about, I do large apartment syndications with Whitehaven Capital. And if we're raising, like right now, before the end of February, we'll close on a $72 million apartment complex. Right. That gets my attention. Yeah. You know, so I haven't mailed anything for four months. You know what I mean? So when I send a batch of mail out, then I watch my KPIs and I work the system right. and all that. And But when I have a commercial deal or a syndication or something, I just, I can't divide myself yep. as much as I would like. So the day will come where I can spend tons of time doing that. Or hire somebody to watch it for you. Well, and that's the thing. I, I right now I have, um, they're not employees. They're more like, I guess you'd call them contract individuals, but we have agreements where uh, they work my systems right now. So nice. I've got, I haven't done a good job of consistently mailing, but my online presence, um, SEO and all that. I mean, there's usually a couple leads every day yep. or a fistful every week, you know, and it's enough for them to watch it and they'll follow up that way. So. Yep. That's awesome. But yeah, absolutely. The goal is to, for me to build the system and all I have to do is just oil it, Yep. you know, feed it and let the people, you know, run it. Yep. Uh, what is your biggest struggle right now? Time, hands down, is my biggest struggle. Um, and that, that sounds like such a crappy answer. Um, <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know how to dig into it more than that. You know, as long as I continue to work my W-2, um, they deserve to have the best version of me while I'm there. Um, but I, I work a busy job, you know, and healthcare has been just a bloodbath for a while. And so um, while I'm there, I focus 100% on it. When I leave, I, I am out, you know, unless I happen to be on call. Um, but then trying to decide, okay, I already did my 40 hours for the hospital. Now I've got whatever extra time I have this week, 10 hours, 20 hours, 40 hours. Like, what am I going to give time to, you know? And it, it just, I wish I were a little more systematized with it. But the other reality is, is, you know, like you pointed out, I'm 40, right. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, I've got the energy to keep hustling. But I really value having some downtime. Like we, t like I fly a lot as much as I can. Um, but that came out of almost a point of burnout. Like yeah. I need, I enjoy the real estate, but I need something recreationally that, like I enjoy that I can pour myself into. Yep. Um, and so I, I, I set aside time to go fly because it's therapeutic. It clears my head. It's like, and you know, like I lift according to what I need to fly. Right. So it's. Know, core back and legs a lot you know my, <laughs> that's awesome i don't have huge guns because i've never had huge guns right but like i can squat and deadlift like a maniac because that's what i need what's important to that. you yeah exactly right and so it motivates me to stay a little bit more fit even though I, you know it's not where i want to be but um so yeah it's it's been good for me on that front so time I, time is definitely what do i struggle you, with the most do you have property management in place absolutely Okay. Yeah, I'd be lost. With I have three different property managers, and um, that's by design, so that if one of them flakes, I'm not left out in the cold. There's, um, there's uh, our mastermind Ryan Pineda yeah. talked about how, like rentals in and of itself is an entire business. For sure, wholesaling in and of itself is an entire business, and then you're also doing commercial as well. So yeah. you're doing three businesses, and then you also have a full time job and marketing and flipping. That might Those not be why uh, you have very much time because you're running four <laughs> businesses at the yeah. same time. Well, and I don't advise people to do that. You know, I'm fortunate with the rentals. Like my goal has been to stabilize those, hand them off. If I buy another rental, I say, here you go, guys, take it and run. 
right? So if you can build the system and for the most part it drives itself, then you can start doing some of these other things. Um, you know, with the commercial stuff, I have um, a new partner that I've been working with, Tyler Derrickson, who's a, who's a genius, by the way. Um, and without him, I, I wouldn't be able to do it myself. First of all, he has a skill set that I don't have, like just his, the way he views and analyzes properties. I'm just, I'm not there yet. Um, but what I bring to that table is a lot of private money raising, a um, lot of investor relations, um, and a lot of the direct mail marketing. Like I'm on the phone with, I mean, this week, I think I talked to probably a dozen commercial sellers. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, bringing other people, leveraging other people in teams is essential. Yep. So we're, we're at the end of 2021. So if you, could you give us a brief, brief synopsis of like how your 2021 went, like the highlights yeah. of it. And then also like what you're looking to do in 2022. Cause I'm sure you, I mean, you oh, seem yeah. like a planner. So yeah, I'm sure you got some big plans. I, I do. And I, um, yeah, so 2020 year before was all about how big can I grow clear sky properties and let's just rentals, let's just stack them up. Right. So that's kind of what you referenced. Like it seemed like Drew went from uh, 25 to 40 or, you know, whatever it was. And that's very much what that was grateful for it. I don't regret it. But in 2021, what I realized is, okay, I like what I'm doing W2Wise, but I probably won't do it forever. So if I'm going to leave at some point down the road, I need to replace that income. How do I do that? Well, I need to kind of double what my rentals do. Yep. So if I want to double my income for my rentals, you know, let's say it's 50 units. Do I just go buy 50 more units? You could. Or you know, you could go buy two or three or four giant buildings or larger buildings, right? And then you yeah. only have one tenant or a couple of tenants. You know, you don't have, you know, 50, 50 doors is probably 50 to 100 toilets and right. it's 50 roofs and it's all these other things. And I don't belittle it because it's my lifeline now. I love it and I, it works really well here. Um, so 2021 has really been all about scaling. And so I think I've only bought maybe half a dozen single families maybe 10, something like that, and only kept two or three. Because um, wow. my focus is, um, I bought one commercial building downtown. Um, it's under contract to be sold because someone gave me an offer that I absolutely cannot refuse. Wow. Um, so that's fun. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> um, but then uh, my partner and I, in the last 90 to maybe 120 days, we have, if you take the value of my 50 units on the residential side, we have created that same value of a portfolio on the commercial side, and we did it like in four months. Wow. So now, and he gets a lot of credit for that. That's not, that's not just on me, but it shows me the power and the potential of scaling up. Yeah, how quickly it can happen. How, absolutely it can. And, you know, people talk about, I, I heard people say all the time, just do big deals. They're easier. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean they're easier? This is, it's terrifying, you know? And it, the closing costs are pretty much the same. Right. Yep. You know, I could uh, like I refinanced like 20 of my units and it was expensive as heck because just all these little transactions. We refinance one commercial building and it's one signature and you're just you're done. Yeah. Um, and the ability to take that portfolio and create value there. It's a deep discussion, but you can create value here in a way that you cannot do on the residential side. Right. Um, and so that's that's kind of what 2021 was about for me. So um really kind of almost doubled um, my buy and hold.
portfolio. And then on the Whitehaven Capital side, I, we sold two of our apartment buildings and bought two more. We're about to buy what will have been two more. Um, so that's been exciting. So fewer deals, much bigger deals. Wow. That, it, that's kind of been the emphasis. I think it's funny, too, because I think I've, I've heard this a couple times recently where they talk about, you know, Olympic athletes and how they don't say that they're nervous. Like people are like, oh, you must have been really nervous. And they're like, no, I was really excited. I feel like the difference between nervousness and excitement is the level of confidence that you have, because uh, for someone like you who's done all those smaller deals, now you're to the point where like, let's just do some bigger deals. Yeah. And I think we're getting to that point too, where we've we have the confidence, and so it's more excitement than it is nervousness. Well, I was told, yeah. we just made a uh, half a million dollar offer today to a yeah. guy. Yeah, and is we're that your biggest offer. Yeah, yeah, good. For and you. Uh, we're, I mean, it sounds like we're gonna get it. He just he's one of those old school guys. Like I'm not signing a contract, but I think we're gonna get that deal. But like I was like I was like looking at Tony like. Are you cool with us offering this? Because like I know it's a deal, but I was wasn't sure if like Tony was gonna feel comfortable or not. And I was like, it's like, yeah, dude, let's go put it under contract right now. What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, like, but for us, I was like, uh, you know, a scary offer, even though like we've done well over that, but it's just small at a time, and so I feel like it's right. a lot easier. But yeah, um, it's the mindset. Yeah, it it absolutely is, you know, and. It, we talked about scaling up at the last RIA meeting, and I really wanted to emphasize as as big as scaling up is for me, that doesn't mean you have to. Like, right. if you're the kind of person who wants five rentals and you want to own them free and clear, and that's your retirement fund, or maybe you want 10 of them and you're just going to live off it, that's awesome. Like, there is no shame in that, you know? Um, yeah. It's it's tough to not get caught up in it, though, in, in the social media world where everyone's just bigger dollars, bigger checks, more, 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 more. Right. Um, so knowing what you want, I think is super, super important. Yeah. I also look at, uh, you know, something that you talked about earlier that I actually wrote down was, uh, you know, you talked about your family and how like, you know, you have more people that you have to worry about now. And, uh, that's kind of the way that I look at like, uh, doing deals and stuff too. Cause like for me, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Otherwise I don't think you could even do it. Um, you feel like you're helping these people like with their problem. And like, there's not very many people who can solve problems as well as we can solve the problems. Right. So I always feel like they're doing themselves a disservice whenever they work with other people. Like besides, like for me, I've like almost like created this story in my head where if they don't work with me, then like they've messed up because like, I'm gonna treat them the sure. best. I'm gonna handle the situation the best. Like I know that we're gonna treat them with good ethics and like, we're gonna like, you know, they, and I tell them straight up, I'm like, you're not gonna get the most money. That's not what we do. Right. If you wanna get the most money, you need to like list your property on the MLS and you need yeah. to do that. But if you want the easiest, like most respectful, like the best people actually care about what your situation, what you're trying to accomplish is, that's what we wanna do. But I feel like uh, um, you can actually help more people the bigger you get. So scaling to me almost is selfish. You're gonna do it, you're like, oh, I'm only gonna grow to as much as I want. Instead of thinking like, I'm helping these people, like how many people do you wanna help in your life? Like you wanna help as many as you can, like, you know what I mean? So I think it's all perspective in the way that you frame it in your head. And so for me, I never wanna stop growing. I never wanna stop giving back. I never wanna stop like helping people solve their problems. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah, that's something that I just thought about whenever you said that. Like thinking about your family but then I also think about like you as a leader I'm like dude like you're a leader like you're a really good leader and like you can lead a lot of other people like just the way that you've led Tony and I to create a lot of what we've created now yeah. was inspiration from you 
and that changed our entire lives. So you being at your job could be holding other people back from what we just created, which changed our lives, which impacted other people's lives. So like, I feel like sometimes you stop that ripple by, in a way, and that this is gonna sound crazy, sure. but it's selfish. You know what I mean? Sure. Because you're sure. thinking about, I'm thinking about me, and I don't want to like affect it and stuff. But like, dude, like you can affect so many people. Yeah. And I know that you can like help a lot of other people. So one of the things, well, and I, and I appreciate that. Um, I think one of the things that has kind of teased out of mindset training in the last year or so is, um, I I try to stay humble. Like I try not to be real boastful or things like that. I'm sure there are people out there who think I'm arrogant as I'll get out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But trying to stay humble, I think, has limited my willingness to scale up, get bigger, do more. And um, one of my coaches in kind of a group session called me out because I keep talking like, I want to get bigger. Like, how do I get bigger? Um, The moral of the story was they said no one's attracted to you playing small. Mm -hmm. Nobody wins by you playing small. Right. Right. doesn't mean you have to go big. You can do whatever you want. Right. But if it is in you to grow, you have potential to grow, you will benefit and the whole world around you will benefit from it. Right. So if you're just trying to be modest and hold back, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing the world a disservice. You don't have to go big. But if it's in you to do it, then you then you absolutely should. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the Tony Robbins quote that comes to mind is uh, in order to keep giving, you have to keep growing. Absolutely. But also, uh, something else I was going to say is like, there's so many douchebags out there that might as well be another nice guy. (laughs) Like, you might as well. Like, there are so many people out there just like, just being the worst. Oh, they are the worst. And like, you could do it better. Sure. No I mean, you could be like, hey guys, here's a check. Now, don't be confused with the number that's on here. This is not 100% of the profit. Also, this took me like six years to master. Yep. But, <laughs> but I think I think mostly the more important thing is the intention behind it. And so, like, sure. uh, you know, a lot of people's intentions when they speak is to inflate their own ego. Your intention yeah. is not that. And so that's what I look at. It's like you can state a fact. And for me, it doesn't bother me. You could say, you know, I made five, ten million dollars last year. To me, that doesn't make you egotistical at all. You're stating right. a fact. Right. Like to me, it's just numbers and facts. And that doesn't bother me. It's when you think that like you can treat other people differently because of where they're at in their life that it really becomes an issue and i don't see you ever doing that so yeah i would say be as big as you can possibly be and like uh dude i think you need to share more like i mean you already share a lot and i think like if you share more and just uh freaking let everybody know who you are and not be scared don't hold back quit your job (laughs) (laughs) you know i think uh i've I've always kind of been worried about not that i'm worried about offending people but you don't want to deliberately offend people right but what has really become crystal clear to me in the last couple of months is People will only ever understand from their point of view or their level of whatever the topic is, right? So if I say I make a million dollars a year, right? Money's good for the good that it can do, right? I give 10% to the church. I'd like to donate to other philanthropic things. Like, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that's a good thing. But someone who makes $50,000 a year and has always struggled to do better than that might be quick to demonize that. And I never wanted to offend that person. It's their choice to be offended. Right. You know, and so trying to understand whether it's, you know, the way people judge your relationships or how you spend your free time or your body shape or whatever it is, they're only ever going to understand from 
wherever they're at. And, and we're all guilty of that, right? right? Like for us, real estate is common sense. How could you not want to be involved with this? Right? right. But that's our level of understanding there. I work with doctors who they don't care if they make more than $200,000 a year ever because their heart and their passion is practicing medicine. Um, so I've had to remind myself, you, you want to be respectful. You don't want to try to offend people, right. but people will choose to get offended regardless. So be yourself. And if yourself says go bigger, then it's time to go bigger. Yep. Like I said, I be, I feel like you just reiterated it. It's just all about your intention. Like it's not your intention to go out there and try to like be upset with people. But like, if that's a result, it is what it is. Like I'm going to be myself and I'm, you want other people to be themselves too. So sure. We got a few final questions here. Um, I feel like you read a lot of books, so we'll, we'll ask this one. Um, what book have you gifted more than any other, or what book do you think is like a necessary reading assignment, Drew Wired reading assignment? Man, that's a really good question. Um, I, I used to read a ton, mm-hmm. a ton. Now I'm more limited on time. I got to the point where I was stuffing my head so full and not mm-hmm. doing, and now I'm just doing, 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 mm-hmm. and I probably should step back and refocus on Yeah, reading. I did that same thing. Um, I really love uh, how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. I know it's kind of a cliche book, but it's magical. It's like yeah. go, when you go back to read scripture and something just leaps off the page that you've read a hundred times, right? Mm-hmm. This it just it's impactful every time that I read it, and everyone can get something from it. It's not yeah. a real estate book. It's it's how to treat people. Yeah, just how to be a good person. Yeah, that's you know? crazy because that's like the first self help book I ever read. I didn't even think about that. That is like the original gangster book uh-huh. even before like you know everybody says rich dad poor dad that's a millennial yeah right um but yeah how yeah. to win friends and influence people is that your first one too kind of uh i think that mine was think and grow rich but yeah yeah but then i read that one shortly after but think and grow rich was the first one that was suggested to me that really like changed my life but yeah that one that one was a game changer and like you know i mean just implementing those rules and Dude, you got to reread that like once oh, a year. Over, <laughs> yeah. Over and over. And it's, I mean, it's an old book, right? Mm-hmm. But people are people. They're not going to yeah. change that much. You have to learn how to relate to them. And it's uh, it's definitely not how to like um, manipulate people no. or anything. It's just how do you position yourself to have those conversations? And which aspect of real estate doesn't involve people? Yeah. Like that's book number one. Right. So, okay. Read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah, we all yeah. know that, right? But figure people out. Yeah, that was that was definitely a good book. I remember, you know, a lot of times like I've noticed that most of the time when a deal blows up, it's because my ego and like that book basically tells you put aside your ego and just freaking let yourself be wrong. Even if they're 100 percent wrong, sometimes like it's okay. It's more about like, you know, helping them through it and letting them, you know, be wrong and stuff. But I'm just a very assertive like, no, you're wrong kind of person. But like uh, that book definitely helped too. like, all right, like you don't always have to be right. And like, I can just let it kind of slide for the bigger picture. So yeah. Yeah. If you're really right, they'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Later. And it doesn't matter right now in the moment, because even if you win, you still lose. Most of the time. Yep. Yep. What is your superpower? My superpower? Wow. Um, Probably resourcefulness. I think I knew you were gonna um, say that <laughs> either either resourcefulness or being adaptable mm-hmm. I think um, like I there's a lot of investors who try to do every different strategy and that's super dangerous because they you know they have um, oh I don't know like something flashy right and their attention just goes to whatever sounds good this now I've done a lot of those strategies but I pick one I learn it I do it one two three times and then I can take that tool put it in the toolbox I can pull it out whenever I want um, 
but yeah, I, I think probably just being resourceful when I get stuck and adaptable when it's time to learn the next thing. I think you're really good at recruiting too. I think you're a really good recruiter. Like you, well, that's part of resourcefulness, but um, yeah, just finding the right people for the right thing. That's why I'm like saying like, man, like you have to get a company because of how many people you can influence and help and like develop and stuff. Like, like right. I'm just like, man, I want that for other people and not like for people I don't even yeah. know yet. Cause I know like what kind of leader you can be. So yeah, sure. I think that that's definitely one of your gifts is like finding the right people for the right things. Like that's what you did with uh, real estate group. You've done that with Lutheran. You've done that with a lot of different things. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I, I wouldn't have teased that out on my own, but I, I'll take it. 60 years from now, you're on your deathbed. Uh, well, that means I made it to a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You got, yeah, that's good. You got, uh, the last variant of COVID-19 right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and it's terminal and you have a day left. Yeah, so you sure. have something, some piece of knowledge, some saying uh, the, the last piece of like legacy that you get to leave. It's the one mantra or sentence or paragraph that you get to leave people with. Yeah. This what is it? Is it? This is it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, we got heavy real quick. Uh, hey, it's the end of the podcast. No, yeah. no, it's good. You know, I think uh, the thing I would try to leave with people, it's honestly, it's a pretty easy question, is I would tell people to take full ownership of their life and everything in it. Mm. Um, and I mean everything. And it's easy for us to say, even those of us who kind of get it, but we forget it. So let me give you an example. Um, having ownership does not necessarily mean control, right? So when you were a little kid, maybe something real bad happened to you. It's not your fault. Um, and in this world today, you know, you couldn't control it then, but you can take ownership of how you respond to it, right? You have uh, a real estate deal that just blows up and you screwed it up bad. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's not your fault. It's not about placing blame, but you can take full ownership of your life and everything in it, right? Like I'd like to be more fit. I need to lose 20, 30 pounds, right? I haven't done it yet because I haven't taken full ownership of my life and everything in it. So it's just kind of a simple mantra that, like, I talk to my kids about it. I don't know that it's clicked yet, but they get upset about something or they're stuck on whatever. And I just remind them, look, you're choosing to not take ownership of this. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a victim of it until you do. Mm-hmm. So whether you're sick of that job, whether you are... Uh, struggling in your marriage, whether you can't get on the same page with God or not, like whatever it is, take ownership of it and and you'll start to make progress. Until you do, you will be stuck. Mm-hmm. So taking full ownership of yeah, your life and everything in it. That's really good. Yeah. I like that because uh, that's something that actually bothers me the most is when people do not. That bothers me more than almost anything. Like, sure. dude, there's a lot of times, like even Tony and I, like even early in our friendship, like he's done some things where I'm like, dude, what the heck? Why would you do that? He's like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. And like, now we're fine. You know what I mean? But I had another, yeah, I had another friend that we were friends for a while Mm -hmm. and he's like, just sitting there lying to me and lying to me and lying to me. And then it's a long story, but basically just never owned it. I was like, yeah, I can't even be friends with somebody like that, man. I just can't. So we never even talked again after that. Well, and the challenge is, if you can if you can flex that muscle and understand that exercise then applying it to your life when you're not under stress mm-hmm. like where in your life are you not taking full ownership of 
whatever it is, because we're all going to have those areas, right? right? Like the, the headlight in my wife's truck has been out for two weeks. She's asked me to do it three or four times, and I haven't taken ownership of it this time, you know? So yep. if you can get, I, I try to, that's part of my journaling and like daily routine is where do I need to, to take ownership of something that I'm neglecting? Dude, yeah. you need to take care of that tonight. Go on your way advanced, home. Advanced, advanced Auto. auto. They came from Amazon today. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. I was going to say, Advanced Auto, <laughs> Parnell Avenue is on the way home. That's right. That's right. Uh, do you, oh, let's see. What final thoughts do you have to share with our viewers or our listeners? Yeah, it depends on who your audience is. Is it mostly local or is it <laughs> it's, uh, national? I mean, I'm not even sure. You guys actually. are going worldwide, I assume. No, I'd say it's mostly mostly uh, local right now, yeah. And then some folks from Las Vegas. Yeah. And then... It's mostly real estate investors because we keep talking about real estate few, on accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We want to we talk about other stuff, but like self-development, different things, but it keeps... But we touched on that a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, um, boy, what would I leave them with? I mean, it kind of depends on where they're at. But, you know, if you're just starting out, um, people is uh, are everything, right? So network. Just get to know people and plug yourself into certain circles. Um, if you've been doing it a long time, um, don't get trapped doing the same thing. Like, I kind of got trapped doing single families. I didn't scale up because it, it just worked. It was comfortable, mm-hmm. right? You know, kind of like golden handcuffs, right? Like, it just works, so I'm just going to keep doing it. So, um Man, I don't know. The more people you can get around, the better. Um, I I tend to be naturally um, uh, an invert uh, as opposed to an extrovert. Now, I can turn on the extrovert when I need to, but two or three hours later, I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. Find a way to get around people. And if you're not learning from the people you're around, you might need to step up and pay for masterminds, uh, different focus groups, things like that. Don't let yourself be the smartest guy in the room or gal in the room. How can our listeners get a hold of you, or how would you like them to get a hold of you if they choose to? Yeah, good question. Um, I would tell you either Facebook or Instagram. Um, again, it's Drew Wired on Facebook or The Flying Investor. Um, you know, I've dabbled with YouTube. I've got a couple of YouTube videos out there, but I don't have the time for consistency yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be that'll be coming. But yeah, Instagram probably is the easiest way to find me. Is there anything you want to plug to? I know you have like with Whitehaven Capital or like if you take yeah, sure. you non-accredited know I mean? or I don't know. Yeah, so I raise a lot of private money and being in the position where I'm in, kind of in the front of the room with the real estate group, I have a lot of people come to me who say, I love real estate, I want to be in, but I just don't have time or I'm scared to do it myself. Would you like to invest some money? And so that has kind of started this avalanche of, okay, I will find ways to find a win for both of us. So um, we do a lot of local deals. So like our commercial deals, you know, we will bring people in at, um, I don't know, I, we don't have to go through the details, but if you'd like to get kind of like you guys do, I mean, just passive income, you know, mailbox money type stuff. We have low risk, I, risk is not something we put out into the ether, but lower risk, moderate return for our local stuff. If you're an accredited investor and really want to go big on, um, you know, big boy investing, right? We do um, kind of luxury apartments or high-end apartments in Phoenix, which is just a, a crazy huge market. What's so, your What's your uh, minimums for each? And then uh, do they get any portion? Or do they just get interest equity? only? Or yeah, do they actually get any portion of equity? Yeah, good question. So in Phoenix, you get debt and equity. So mm-hmm. returns on the regular, but then a big payout when we sell that building. Um, and those are $100,000 minimums okay. for those projects. 
locally, I generally will do a $25,000 minimum. Um, and that's viewed more like a loan as opposed to an investment. So it is just the debt, no equity. Basically means if you were to bring, you know, $50,000 there, we pay, I think it's on those deals, 8% interest only. So that's $333 a month. You get a check every single month. Um, and that's personally guaranteed by my partner and I. So if we have a flake on it, you get to take our house and our cars and all that because we stand by our investors. Nice. Anything else? No, that's it. That's it. Thanks for joining, guys. Remember to check out Ari Simply because they're an awesome CRM, and we're going to come out of the course soon. I know we've been saying that a long time, but we really are going to because we're working on it a lot. Uh, but it tended uh, or ended up being a lot more than what we thought, and then every time we create a video, we want to create more videos because we want this to be the most in-depth thing possible. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on, Drew. Thanks, for, thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. See you guys.